Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Jerusalem, my happy home, when shall I come to thee? When shall my sorrows have an end? Thy joys, when shall I see? That question is answered in our text today from Hebrews chapter 12. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is our text. You may be seated. God's people had a problem. Up ahead, the sea spread out before them as far as they could see. No going forward. Behind them, Pharaoh and all his army were hot on their heels, the horse's nostrils flaring with fury, chariot wheels squealing and whining, spear tips gleaming in the sun. No going back. Only one thing to do, complain. What's the matter, Moses? Weren't there enough graves for all of us down in Egypt that you had to drag us out here to die in the desert? You know we could have just stayed there, right? Better slaves than dead, after all. Fast forward a few days to the far side of that sea with all of God's people accounted for, and Pharaoh and all his army severely waterlogged, to say the least. There's no water here. What are we going to eat? Don't you remember all the food we had on our plates back in Egypt, Moses? Why'd you drag us all the way out here to die of hunger and thirst? Better slaves than starving, after all. Fast forward a couple of months to God's people standing at the base of a mountain, sufficiently fed and watered, looking up and listening and seeing and hearing this. Thunder and lightning and a thick cloud and a loud trumpet blast and the mountain shrouded in smoke and fire, and the whole thing shaking violently. What's the deal, Moses? We were scared enough a couple of months ago, back on the other side of the sea with the Egyptians chasing after us. Did you have to bring us all the way down here just to scare the life out of us? Don't make us go up there. Don't let God speak to us. That'll be the end. You do the talking, and that'll be good enough. Maybe that way, at least, 
will survive this whole ordeal. After the Lord had delivered and rescued and provided for them repeatedly since bringing them up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, they still don't trust Him. They're still focused only on all the things that are pursuing them, chasing them down, fearing for their lives. Is this what it really means to be a child of Abraham? Is this what life is like for God's people? Nothing but a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a threatening voice? No thanks. Well, that's what lingers in the background of our text from Hebrews. That's the history of the epistle's readers. That's their national heritage and their cultural context. Fast forward. I can't reach far enough. A millennium and a half. They're not standing on the shore of a sea anymore with an angry army after them or crossing a burning desert with nothing to eat or drink or even camped out at the foot of a mountain looking up at what appears to be a volcano about ready to blow its top. No, they're being chased by a different enemy. And the heat is on. Did you guys forget about Mount Sinai? Have you completely forsaken all that Moses taught us? Don't you remember the fury and the wrath that rained down from the mountain when Aaron made that golden calf? And now you're just going to leave it all behind? No way. You can follow that Jesus if you want, but you can't forsake the covenant and everything that makes us children of Abraham. We won't stand for it. These Hebrews, these Jewish Christians were under relentless pressure to revert back to Judaism. If not to deny Christ altogether, at the very least, to add legalism back into faith. Sort of like saying, well, Jesus is good, it's just not good enough. If you truly want to be saved, if you truly want to be a child of God, you have to keep the law perfectly, period. End of discussion. And not only that, it's very possible that these Hebrew Christians also lived in Rome where intense persecution of the church was happening. But in comparison 
with their brothers and sisters in the faith who were of Gentile, in particular Latin heritage, the Jewish believers were relatively safe because Judaism was a legally established religion, unlike Christianity. So Jewish Christians could be quite comfortable if only they'd look, talk, and act a little more Jewish than Christian. And when you start to look, talk, and act more Jewish than Christian, it's not a very far leap to be only Jewish and not Christian. And then you're right back at the foot of Mount Sinai, looking up, staring into the face of a demanding and wrathful God, hearing only the sound of threat, punishment, and judgment. Against this reversion to Judaism and this caving in under pressure, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews goes to great lengths to point out that Christ is enough. Christ, and Christ only. He reminds these Jewish believers that they have not, in fact, come to Mount Sinai with its terrors and demands, its blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a threatening voice. Rather, he says, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of God, and the very mountaintop where God dwells in, with, and for His people. And what makes all the difference? What stands between? Another mountain. A mountain called Calvary. On that mountain, all the wrath of God was poured out on His Son. All the thunder and lightning, the smoke, the fire, the trumpet blast and the voice, it all was aimed at Him. It landed on Jesus. There, His blood was shed to fulfill the covenant instituted at Sinai and to begin a new one. A covenant of forgiveness, mercy, and grace. There, at Calvary, the blood of Jesus cries out. Not to be avenged like Abel's did, but rather the blood of Jesus calls out to God and says, Father, forgive them. For the sake of this blood I have spilled on their behalf. 
You are under that blood. So don't give up. Don't compromise. Don't revert back to your old ways of life under the law, under compulsion, and under fear. Because you've come to Jesus, the one who founded our faith and the one who will finish it. So who or what is chasing you right now? Who or what has you under pressure? Who or what has you feeling the heat? Who or what has you left stressed, tired, or afraid? Remember these words. You have come to Zion. You belong to the people of God, those who are forgiven and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You have been brought into his kingdom by baptism. You are numbered with his saints. You eat and drink here at his mountain to be strengthened with Christ's own body and blood. You are the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Yours are the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect. You have not come to Sinai with its threats and terrors. For Christ has fulfilled all things for you. By His death on Calvary, He has defeated all that stands against you, all that would pursue you and chase you and hunt you down. He has absorbed all the pressure and taken all the heat that you might rest at peace and secure through all things. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. For you have come to Zion. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.